Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. The six stages of a leader's journey. The conversation continues. This is the Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, along with Ron Price. Ron, great to be with you today. Good to be with you, Dale. So this uh, came out of a lot of deep thinking on your part, analysis, and um, uh, some conversations that you've had with leaders, the six stages of a leader's journey. If you haven't had it, our listeners have not had a chance to go back and listen to the most previous podcast where we talk about stage one and stage two, which is the invitation and self-awareness. I encourage you to do that. But Ron, give us a quick um, update and and an overview of those two stages, uh, just to refresh our memories. Well, uh, Dale, thanks. Stage one, the invitation stage is where somebody asks us to take a leadership role, either to fulfill some goal or to solve a problem or to lead other people, to influence other people. And it happens when they've asked us, or sometimes it happens because we see that it's an opportunity that fits us well and that we can serve others, we can create value for others, and so we raise our hand and volunteer for that. That's stage one, and um, we talked a lot about how those things come to you, even when you're volunteering, it's something that you may or may not have anticipated, but the best way to respond to those is primarily because you want to serve others, and yes, there may be some status or recognition or some rewards that are attached to it, but it's really the desire to make a difference that gives you the greatest chance of success. Stage two, self-awareness, is this process where now we've been invited and in the journey of, of leading, we begin to learn more and more about ourselves. And we talked about three ways that we develop deeper self-awareness, which by the way, is the foundation for all growth as a leader. So one of those ways is through self-reflection. Another is through the feedback that we receive from others. And a third way that we develop self-awareness is by using tools that are often referred to as psychometrics that help us to take a picture of our self-concept that goes deeper and it's richer than something that we would be able to do just on our own self-reflection. Stage three, development. And, and before we dive into development, um, let's talk about this. This is, this is a very linear question, and I don't know if this is necessarily a linear stage process, but what time frames do you apply to each of these, the invitation, self-awareness? How long should I expect these to take? Oh, goodness. I'm not even sure that I know how to answer that question. <laughs> I think it varies with your own situation. However, I suspect that it's really speeding up these days mm. uh, because the world is changing so fast and uh, there are so many industries that are being disrupted, that I think that these things can happen quickly, but you don't just leave the invitation never to come back to it. Obviously, you get a lot of invitations throughout your career, and that starts the process all over again. When you get a new invitation, you really are going to go into another level of self-awareness as part of the experience that you go through there. there. There's another model that's not unique to me, uh, Dale, that I often think of in relationship to this, but it's a four-quadrant model where it says that um, the, the invitation we, we could refer to as this is your vision. This is uh, often referred to as unconscious incompetence. <laughs> so the idea is you get excited about going somewhere, taking a role, being a leader in some way, 
and you commit yourself to it because of the enthusiasm you have around the possibilities, but then you move to the second quadrant, which is referred to as conscious incompetence. This is where you begin to realize that your ability to execute the vision isn't quite there, that you have to grow. You have to become something more if you're going to fulfill it. And this is often the quadrant of disillusionment. And as I work with leaders around the world, I often run into them in this stage. This is often when they invite me to be a part of their life, to help them as a coach or as an advisor, because they got started on this journey and now they're not sure that they can complete it. They feel disillusioned, discouraged. So I come at this point and tell them, no, 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 that's progress. The fact that you're disillusioned means that you're moving in the right direction because it happens to all of us when we're leading in a new way. And then the third quadrant in that model is called conscious competence. It's where you mechanically, methodically, intentionally develop new skills, new capabilities. And it's really the part that the stage that we're talking about today in our sixth stage model, it's the stage of development where you're becoming better as a leader because you're consciously and intentionally working on things. And if you do that long enough, you reach this fourth quadrant in this model, which is called unconscious competence. It's where you've worked on something as a leader. You've become a little better, a little better, a little better. You've done it so much that it's almost become second nature for you now. And you don't even have to think about it. It's a part of who you are. And that's really the stage of great fruitfulness and success when you move into that stage of unconscious competence. So we move from vision to dis disillusionment to learning to fruitfulness or success. And, and that really is a lot of what we're talking about today when we talk about stages three and stage four. So what I hear you saying is these stages, don't think of them in a linear way, but it's something that you can revisit a stage um, and always be growing in each of the stages, be looking and for those invitations, always be self-aware, and, and now development. I think it happens at two levels. One is that each new invitation that you respond to, whether somebody's asked you or you volunteer, starts you on another chapter of your leadership journey. You're gonna have new challenges, you're gonna work with people in a new way, you're gonna pursue uh, the solving of problems in a new way. So each invitation is a new chapter, a new start. But then I think you can also look at, it at, at, at the 35,000 foot level and to recognize that this is a part of your life experience and that in some way it's all interconnected. So that I look back, I've actually been privileged to be in a leadership role in at least 10 different companies, sometimes as an owner, other times as an executive, sometimes as a board member. And even though each of those were very different organizations, very diverse organizations, I can still see the overarching journey that I was taking as a leader so that even though the places where I led change from time to time, I as a leader continued to evolve and I could see a connecting thread through all of those chapters of leadership that I went through. So I'll go for the low hanging fruit, so to speak, first of all, and, and when it comes to development and formal education. Yeah, that's obviously the first place that we start. Just going to school is the beginning of development. It's, it's uh, I often think about how hard we work when we're young compared to what we do when we get older around this whole idea of development, just learning how to count or learning your ABCs or then learning how to put those together. I have an exercise I go through with some groups that I'm working with to try to understand 
that learning something at a deep level takes years and layers and layers of pondering it. So we just build a list of all the rules around mathematics. So it started with counting and then addition and then subtraction and then it might have been multiplication and then division. And you can see where I'm going is that you end up with 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 different levels of mathematics that gets you to the point where you're useful using mathematics. And in the same way, when we talk about leadership, there are all these different layers that you go through to become a more and more effective leader over time. And it starts in school, but then it goes to the experiences that you have in the workplace. And research now tells us that once you're working full time and you're in a leadership role, probably about 70% of what you're going to learn is going to happen on the job. It's going to happen based on how you respond to situations and people that come up in your role as a leader. Maybe 20% of what you're going to learn is going to come from mentors or coaches, the way that other people continue to guide and support and to help you. Sometimes they're encouraging you. Other times they're saying, wait a minute, you need to have a more realistic view of who you are. And then about 10% of what you're going to continue to learn will come from continued formal education whether it's a class or a workshop or an advanced degree. Uh, so you'll always continue to develop throughout your leadership experience as long as you're looking to continue to grow your self-awareness and to grow your effectiveness as a leader. So when we think about development, um, break down where we spend our time and attention, especially related to am I trying to I'll put quotation marks, fix my weaknesses, or am I trying to grow my strengths? There are really two parts to this, Dale. The first is that we know now, without a doubt, that you'll become the best leader you can be if you spend most of your time developing your strengths. The, the formula is about 70 to 80% of your time developing your strengths, and no more than 20 to 30% of your time working on a weakness. And I'll say that based on um, my more than 15 years of helping other leaders grow as my primary profession, one of the things I have come to a deeper and deeper conviction about is that if people try to fix multiple weaknesses, they're not going to be very successful in sustainable growth. To develop yourself in a way where you really have built new strength into who you are as a leader, it's best if you focus on one weakness at a time. And again, only 20 to 30% of your time, 70 to 80% of your time focusing on a strength. Now, of course, there's going to be an exception to this when you're underperforming inside a job. If there's something about the way you're leading that's causing people to not want to follow you or causing those who are endorsing your leadership above you to question, well, you've really got to nail, you've got to dial in on that and focus on that. That's, that's what I would call a potential fatal flaw that you need to fix so I'm not talking about that kind of a situation. I'm talking about the situation where most of us are trying to look at where we're headed long-term as a leader, and we're well-respected, we're, we're considered successful where we're at, but we don't want to stop there. We want to keep growing. That's where it's really important for you to keep saying, how can I add more strength to what I'm already good at? How can I, the idea is, can I get to being world-class in this area and not just in a rhetorical way, but to truly be world-class in this area? So that's one part of it, focus more on strengths and weaknesses. The other part of it is it's really important wherever you are in leadership right now, in whatever position you have or whatever is expected of you, it's very important to have a clear idea of what is expected. What are the key results 
that reflects superior performance in your current role. And in our work with leaders, we always ask them to come up with three or four or five key result statements that are very clear, that are, that are strong, that have some emotional tug to them about how I can define superior performance. And that's an important part of development is how do I develop the skills that are going to help me create those results? Because that's the purpose of skills. The, the purpose of skills are uh, some kind of a behavior that you're doing consistently to get a, a greater result. So let's say that one of my key results is to lead a team of other leaders. So what are the skills related to that? It might be it's important for me to understand their strengths and weaknesses. It might be that I need to be really good at communicating with them, at coaching and developing them. I might need skills around teamwork, or I might need skills around conflict management or negotiation. So it's what are the skills that are going to help me achieve those three, four, or five key results? That's the other track of development. So one track is keep developing yourself as a person and as a leader overall by focusing more on strengths and weaknesses. And the other is make sure that you're developing the skills, the habits, the behaviors that are going to help you achieve the key results that reflect superior performance in whatever role you're in today. And as I hear you work through this process of development, I just keep coming back to our conversation about awareness because the development requires a deep sense of awareness. Yeah, and if you remember, we talked about how do you keep growing your awareness over time. You have to keep self-reflecting. You have to pursue feedback from others, specific feedback, asking them how you're doing with the things that matter most. And then I use these psychometrics over and over and over again because my self-concept continues to evolve. I want to understand how my self-concept is evolving, and these are great tools that help me to do that. Anything else that I might have missed around development? Well, I'm sure there are things I've missed. <laughs> but uh, that's enough to, I think it's enough to reflect on and to think about how intentional is my development plan? Have I really identified and am I maintaining focus and consistency on developing my primary strengths and in advancing the skills that help me to perform at a superior level? Okay. Stage four of the leader's journey is validation. Yeah, so validation, I, it, it's really interesting because you're working at becoming a better leader. You've, you've taken the invitation, you've accepted it, or you've volunteered, you've become more self-aware. And sometimes, as we said earlier, that self-awareness makes you feel less competent, not more competent, because you're getting down to the reality of who you are as a leader. And then you begin developing yourself. So a lot of this is work that you're really taking responsibility for. This next step, validation, is always created by others. It's others recognizing how you've grown, recognizing how you've matured as a leader, and validating your leadership, and pointing out where you've made the biggest difference. And they reinforce what you're coming to know about your own strengths in such a way that it gives you more courage to go further and further down that path of development. Of course, validation is also where you get the endorsement from others that leads to more invitations. So this is really valuable, and sometimes the validation that we get is uh, inspiring us to have more courage, to have more confidence about who we are, 
And other times that validation is sort of a, a checkup to say, you know, Ron, you're really great over here, but you really need to take care of this weakness. I'm not sure if you understand how much this is holding you back. And we need other people to help us understand that because, again, they act as mirrors for us. Um, but by and large, for the most part, if you're growing as a leader, the validation is going to focus more on the things that you do well and create broader, newer opportunities for you in the future. So how do I, lack of a better word right now, how do I validate the validation? How do I know what to listen to as a leader and know when just somebody saying, oh, good job? What types of things should I be looking for to know that validation is genuine, authentic, and tr truly helpful? I, there, there are a number of, I think, different ways that you can work on this. The first is think to yourself about how often people come to you asking you for help in solving a problem. The more that you see people coming to you asking for help in solving a problem, what they're really saying is they have confidence in you as a leader in this way. Another thing to observe is how often do people tell you that because of something you did for them or because of something that you challenged them to do, they're a better person today. Those are good examples of where you're getting less direct validation. And then Observe whether or not people seem to leave a meeting that they have with you or a time that they've spent with you energized. Do they seem that they have a, a little bit lighter step? Do they, do, they, do they leave and it seems that they're more enthused than they were when they came in? These are all less formal ways of receiving validation. Of course, a lot of organizations have systems of validation, such as 360 surveys. This is where they send out a survey today, it's almost always online, where they ask people around you, maybe your boss, your peers and subordinates to give feedback about your leadership. And if those are administered well, then you can often get valuable feedback from those. I admit that sometimes they become political and always when they're attached to your compensation, I think that, that you're gonna have problems because people are gonna just become polite in how they give feedback if it's attached to your performance or attached to your compensation. But if it's a 360 survey that's designed to help you think about who you are as a leader and how you can further develop, then it can become a great source of validation because through those 360 surveys, you're getting some more formal information. And then, of course, there are other opportunities, whether it's at the end of a project, at the end of a year, at, uh, at, at one of your performance management meetings with folks. These are all ways that you can get validation from others. And then outside of the organization, you can be getting validation from your community. Um, a lot of communities now have these recognition programs for people under 40 years old that are being recognized as leaders or for women who are being recognized as leaders or for CEOs or financial managers or lawyers or there are a lot of these recognition programs that are outside of your organization that are also a source of validation. And then I think this might be a little bit uh, off the beaten path, but I think another way to receive validation is to volunteer for leadership roles in community organizations like Rotary or Kiwanis or the Optimist Club or your Chamber of Commerce or other advisory boards, things like that. These are all opportunities for you to demonstrate your leadership where you learn in the process 
and other people recognize what your capabilities are as a leader and they validate you. Let's talk about the most appropriate response to validation. And when we can start with just overt validation, it, um, how does, what's the best way for a leader to respond? Is it, Oh, shucks, not, <laughs> not me. You know, the false humility. Yeah. It's funny because at one end of the spectrum, you have this embarrassment where you really wish they wouldn't validate you because it, it makes you feel funny and you, you just want to go hide. And I have to admit that that's sort of where I've come from in my leadership journey. The other side is where you say, well, it's about time you recognize what a great leader I am, which I would call the egotistical side of it. And neither end of the spectrum is really going to be healthy for you as a leader. Instead, there's somewhere in the middle where you say thank you and you respect them when they validate you, not by sloughing it off or saying, no, that's not true, or by being egotistical, but you express appreciation for them speaking in a way that endorses your leadership. And as it's appropriate, you make sure that other people get recognition as well. So, well, thank you very much, but I really have to say that it was our team that did it, so I owe them a lot, or I really want to give thanks to my mentor or my parent, or so that you, not, you don't just hold it all yourself. So you can say thank you, and if it's appropriate, you can pass along that praise to other people as well. But I learned, I had to learn how to accept that thank you as a sign of respect toward the person who was giving it to me. And I think learning how to receive it in the right way where you're respectful, but you don't let it, we always would say, you don't let it go to your head. You're finding that middle ground where you're grateful, but also recognizing that you're a part of a bigger whole. Any final words as we wrap up development and validation? Well, one last thing I'd like to say about validation is one of the wonderful things about validation is that it really amplifies your opportunities as a leader. When other people recognize who you are or what you've accomplished, that really creates new opportunities for you to be uh, much, to have a much greater impact, to have many more ripples, so to speak, in the impact that you have as a leader. So it's really a wonderful part of the leader's journey to reach this point where you're being rewarded for the hard work that you've done in developing your self-awareness and in developing yourself. Fantastic. All right. So we've now covered four of the six stages of a leader's journey. Give us a preview of what to expect next week. Well, when we talk next, we're going to talk about the last two stages, which are impact and reflection. And um, this, is, this is sort of, well, I think it's the apex. I think it's the, the mountaintop experience. So we'll talk about those years of tremendous fruitfulness or success and influence, and then the wonderful privilege you can have of looking back and reflecting on it and understanding more about yourself as a result. Fantastic. I'm going to ask our listeners to do us a big favor. If you would go to your favorite podcast listening app, what you're listening right now, and find a way to rate and review this podcast, we would be most grateful. Also, if this podcast has been helpful to you and the series is, is something that you're getting something from, share it with somebody you know. Um, that'd be a, a great way to grow your influence as a leader. 
Also reminds you that a fantastic place for resources is thecompleteleader.org, thecompleteleader, all one word, .org. It's a brand new website. You'll find a number of resources in addition to other podcast episodes that will help you in your leadership journey. This is the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.